Hello and welcome to the Peter Greenwood Show at the Edinburgh Fringe. This is our third-ish year at the Edinburgh Fringe and I'm going to be speaking to some of the most interesting and tantalising shows at the Fringe. And we're starting today, I've got somebody on my line. Could you tell me who you are and what you do, please? Sure, my name is Kate Warner. Um, I describe myself as a professional attention whore. <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to swear You can say show. anything you like. Great. I feel right at home already. So I, I'm an actor and I write as well. And your show is called Take It Away. And I want to get the pronunciation of this right. Is, are you pronouncing it Cheryl or Cheryl? Cheryl. Cheryl. Okay, great. I've never heard that before. Perhaps it's a, a difference across the pond. That's the name of the show. It's called Take It Away, Cheryl. I'm going, I know at some point I'm going to mess this up, so please do correct me. If it's your mom's name, I, it's completely understandable. <laughs> I can be Cheryl for the day with the hard CH. <laughs> oh, no, no, that's not the name of your show. I will get this correctly. I <laughs> promise right. at some point. So let's talk about the show. What is Take It Away, Cheryl, and where did it come from? Sure. Take It Away, Cheryl is a tragic comic trip through a county fair kissing booth, which I think is an American thing, uh, but... There are these old kissing booths at um, county fairs and carnivals. And Cheryl is the woman who who works at one of them. And she's equipped to deal with anything, um, which is great because people have stopped coming for kisses and they've start, started coming to tell her about their problems and come for emotional labor and caretaking. And so at some point in the show, she makes a pretty big error and she has to go to hell and back in order to save the people that she loves. It came originally from when I was at NYU Tisch School of the Arts. It was my senior thesis performance project. Um, but back then it was totally different. It was just a, you know, a short little 20 minute seedling of an idea that was totally instinctual and born out of this really strange time in my life where men in my hometown in central Pennsylvania kept dying oftentimes from sort of unnamed mental illnesses. Um, it was a really painful time for me, but I felt that in order to sort of process, uh, one of the things that I could do was to put down what I knew on the page and to make it as fun as possible for myself so I could get as close to that truth and as close to my own processing while giving myself sort of a safe framework to process what was going on. And one of the things that came up during that time was that there were plenty of stories sort of about these young men and about mental health struggles in general. But I noticed that there were fewer stories about the caretakers and the people who sort of helped them through these struggles, specifically the women. So I wanted to write the journey of the caretakers in, in this show. How did the story change from what it was, the 20-minute foundation to what it is now being played at the Edinburgh Fringe? I did a lot of rewriting initially in later 2019 when I decided that I was going to bring it to the Fringe in 2020. Oh um, no. I know, the fatal error. <laughs> but I had decided that I was going to, to bring it to the Fringe in 2020. I was so excited and I expanded the show to be a five-person cast um, with other characters and um, we had a whole cast rehearsing it. And then, of course, we all know what happened. And our fabulous director, Janica Jensen, when, you know, it had been announced that the Fringe was maybe going to happen, but probably not, decided that we should see the opportunity as sort of an unexpected gift of all of this time and all of these fabulous 
collaborators and people that we had in the room who were just looking honestly for something to do at that point because everything that they had been doing with their time had sort of disappeared as as it had for all of us. Then we decided to do a really intensive development process with the show. And and the show really sort of took a journey during that time. And then again, once once we were preparing for this year's fringe, <laughs> which I keep knocking on wood every time I mention yeah. it. <laughs> and I would say that the biggest change that occurred during that time was that we were able to take this thing that had sort of emerged out of my instinctual, subconscious, emotional, messy realm, right? And start to sort of start to identify the uh, logic behind the story and give it really clear structure and, and rules to the world that would make sure we were being really specific and intentional with some of the things that we were doing. Because, you know, we're dealing with a lot of really big themes, right? Like grief and mental illness and gender, which is a huge part of the show. We really wanted to make sure that we were being specific with how we played with those themes, especially since the show is really fun and there's like a lot of clowning elements to it. I wanted to make sure that amidst all the fun and especially with Cheryl's gender, you know, which which is this flirty, feminine, performative sort of thing to help make her her male customers feel comfortable at the kissing booth. I wanted to make sure that we were having those moments where we saw her power being co-opted by these sort of traditional gender roles, but that we also saw that she does have real power inside of her and that that there is strength in femininity as well. And so that I wanted to make sure that we had those sort of more earnest moments as well. And I would say that a big thing that happened during the course of our development process was that we were really able to sort of nail down moments where both of those things are able to happen. One of the things I thought when you were telling me about the show just when, and something I thought when I was reading the description, is that Cheryl's working at the kissing booth, but people come up to talk about their problems to her. You were saying about the gender role, and that seems very much like men coming up to be like, oh, I've had a problem and talk and sharing their problems when she's just like, I'm just here to have a little bit of fun and do my thing. Was that <laughs> part of the idea going into it? Definitely. I mean, I think the idea, when I tell you, it, it came to me truly straight out of my subconscious brain. It really was just an image that I had one day. And it, it really kind of formed around just this image of a woman working at a kissing booth. But I think that it coalesced the way that it did out of my subconscious brain because that's how I, as a woman, have been socialized my entire life, right? Is to, you know, when men come up and if if they have a need to sort of acquiesce to whatever their emotional needs are at the time. And I want to be really clear because I know I'm talking a lot on sort of like gendered lines that, of course, there are people of many different identities who have this sort of same role to caretaking or who have their own individual role to caretaking. And it's not something that happens on binary lines, which God knows binary is fake. And, <laughs> and it's not something that happens on gendered lines only, you know, there's like caretaking that happens because of the way people are socialized with their race and their class and like a million other factors. But I definitely feel as though we're still in a time, even as women are gaining more power in society, that we're still sort of socialized to caretake for our peers and to caretake for especially our male peers who haven't necessarily been socialized to have the same sort of emotional aspects to their friendships and to their relationships as women have. You know, I've been on 
perhaps a million dates and non-romantic situations too where where something has just been an equal conversation and then suddenly we're midway through a therapy session and I'm not getting paid enough for it so yeah suddenly it becomes about his issues with his mother and yeah, how, exactly. he, how he can't get the car every Tuesday and it becomes yeah. a thing it becomes a thing that's right yeah. that's a way to put it <laughs> Seeing on this topic, I want to ask a little bit about something which was trending on social media, the hashtag Femi Fringe, which I saw it and I wasn't fully aware of its history. So now it's become a good thing, but I gather it wasn't a good thing when it started. Can you tell us about the hashtag Femi Fringe and your role in it? Absolutely. It is my understanding that a while back there was a tweet from a man, and please... Don't quote me on this because I just got on Twitter. I am not a Twitter historian. I do not know the specific details, but it is my understanding that a while back there was a a tweet from someone who had been complaining about the number of women-led shows at and femme-led shows at the Fringe this year, uh, which is ridiculous because it's not like we have a lot of <laughs> women-led theater anyway. Mm, yes. um, so if anything, this would be a massive triumph, right? And he had sort of flippantly referred to, you know, the femme fringe. And so it was initially a bad thing, like you said, sort of in his mind, that there were so many women at the fringe and so many non-binary people at the fringe this year. Um, And instead of letting that fly, a few amazing women creators like Charlotte Antilly and F-Bomb Theater have sort of co-opted this hashtag Femi Fringe and made it this massive movement where women and non-binary people and people of marginalized genders can sort of connect over this sort of misogynistic (laughs) tweet that happened a while back and have a massive network of support, um, which I think is just absolutely incredible. And it's led me to connect with um, some of the women and non-binary people who are going to the fringe and who shows I'm really excited to see. And it's really sort of catalyzed this movement to just gas each other up and support each other in any way that we can. And so that's kind of where I come in. It's just, <laughs> just being like, woo, <laughs> cheerleader of the Femi Fringe and a participant, proud participant of. Which I'm also so excited about. I'm so proud to be doing as much as I can to support hashtag Femi Fringe as I can, because I bet for a start off, as you said, there needs to be more female and female identifying theatre in the world, not just at the Fringe. And for a second, I bet it's really pissed off that guy who started it. Yeah. Right. He is <laughs> sitting the best revenge, as they said. Yes, he is sitting in his little house going, No, don't take my hashtag. That was my hashtag to make a point. <laughs> That's exactly and, what he sounds like. Yes, I think you're right. I mean, we haven't confirmed it, of course, mm-hmm. just for accuracy and, and for the listeners, but um I'm I'm fairly certain that that's exactly how he sounds. Yeah, definitely. Have it on good authority. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, and if not, we can just go ask his mum. She'll tell us. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and then she'll spank him for being such a such a dick on Twitter. <laughs> it is so exciting, especially because this is the first proper big fringe. Like it was on in twenty twenty one last year, but a lot of the performers said it was condensed. Is the way that is the word they used for mm. it, and it was it was there, but it was lovely to see it there, but it wasn't as fringe as it should be but this year it's going to be fringe fringe 
Yeah, that's how you do it. You need to walk down the street and say, "So hi, I'm here at the Edinburgh Fringe." <laughs> Great. Yeah, that, that's an actual tip for you. But the problem right. is you get so caught into doing that that when you walk around and you're like, oh, I'm going to get my hair cut. Oh, I want my fringe cut. You get really into the idea and you scare you scare hairdressers across the world. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. And you don't want someone to freak out when they're cutting your fringe. Absolutely not. That's the last thing you want. Is your fringe too long? No, my fringe is fine. <laughs> It's says there's suddenly you've got some wonky new haircut. <laughs> oh, imagine that you you yell fringe while they're cutting the your fringe. Oh wow, not good, not good. <laughs> that would that would that's a whole fringe fringe show by itself. <laughs> Bad fringe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can we write that for next year? Can we do Bad Fringe, please? Let's do it. You and I, two person show about Done. a hairdresser and a client called Bad Fringe. <laughs> a deal. Thank you so much for your time today. Do you have any social media where people can find out about you and about your show? We do. We are on Instagram at Take It Away Cheryl. That's Cheryl with C H. <laughs> and we are on the fabulous Twitter with uh, at Take It Away Play. Um, I would love to connect with any of you on there, um, anyone who's listening. Take It Away Cheryl is playing from August 5th to the 13th at venue 236 Greenside Infirmary Fringe. Search online for tickets. That is it for today. Thank you to Kate for her time and for talking to me today. I'll be back with another episode soon. Until then, bye every single body bye.